Welcome to Mind Heist, episode 1515, uh, where Muhammad and myself, we, we talk a lot, of, a lot of stuff, a lot of interesting stuff. Last episode was uh, really uh, good, I think. Um, I said I thought it was really good, and we got a few emails, alhamdulillah, about it, and uh, inshallah we're going to address them. Welcome. Let's 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 put our hands together and welcome <laughs> my co-host Mohammed. Oh God! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, man. What do you think about last episode? After you know, after we recorded it, you know, you edited it. What were your thoughts? I say edit. I don't do as much editing as I really should. But um, I've been thinking about it since we did it. Like it's been every day. I've been thinking about it, and I tend mm. I tend to share it. Um, almost every day um, and Great. different people have different ideas on it there's been people on Twitter that have linked other threads and it's been a decent mm. discussion but yeah I've been thinking about the whole concept since we did it like so there's still plenty more to say I think it sounds like uh, you know you went back to the good days of Twitter where people have discussions and stuff <laughs> yeah it sounded it looked like it but there's a bunch of new people that are talking I don't recognise any of them so mm. it's stranger I know <laughs> But uh, that's good, though. Alhamdulillah. Um, maybe we can actually address some of the tweets if there's any, uh, you know, good ones. Yeah. As well as these emails. So basically, um, our intention for this episode is to deal with a couple of the big emails we got. And then, uh, you know, we'll see if there are any other emails and tweets and stuff we can deal with. And inshallah, we'll, we'll stay around the kind of theme of last episode, which was, you know, masculinity and the place of men in the world today, mm. really. So, uh, do you want to get to this email, bro? Okay. Should we start with uh, Muhammad's email? Uh, yeah, you want to read it out this time. I'm always reading the emails out. Okay, inshallah. So, actually, first we've just got a quick one from Rashid saying, Assalamu alaikum. Oh, man. <laughs> what is that? I'll explain when I fix it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> you know what that is? What is that? Um, I got this app on my phone and once I use my phone for a certain amount of hours it just does that and it keeps doing that notification until I lock my phone why so you don't want to use uh, your phone too much yeah yeah because I, I, I started tracking how long I use my phone wow and it was really surprising you know it was really shocking and it really disturbed me so I thought how do I deal with this but this is the first day that I've set that that thing <laughs> that notification thing God. so um uh, maybe I can actually, I'll just get it on my laptop instead to get the email up. <laughs> well, in the meantime, could you just read, I'll read uh, it? I'll read email. it. I'll it's read a short it. one. I'll read it. <laughs> You're policing yourself. Assalamu <laughs> <laughs> um, alaikum. Many thanks for the recent podcast. I thought it was magnificent. Alhamdulillah. Jazakum Allah khairan. Oh, it's very short. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was simple. Is there any more? Uh, There's quite a lot, oh, but man. I haven't been for all of them. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, maybe I can turn this thing off, bro. One second. It's going to sound again. Okay. Well, while you're... Oh. Actually, actually, uh, I'll put it on silent and it's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Let me, let me read this uh, email then. Okay. That is from Muhammad. Okay, so th it's pretty long, so I'll just break it into parts, inshallah. We can respond. So, assalamu alaikum. Alhamdulillah, I just listened to your podcast today on my way to and from uni. I had actually typed this up a couple of hours ago and decided I didn't want to send it. But then I thought, let's be a man and just do it. 
Um, I don't know if he wants us to explain. Anyway, he's a student and he doesn't study. Oh man. <laughs> it's ruining the episode, man. Oh man. Shall I just read it from now on? You know what? I've turned it off. <coughs> turned your phone off with just okay. the app? No, no, just that app thing. Okay, so he says uh, he's a student. He doesn't study psychology or anything. So forgive me if I say anything wrong. These are just my thoughts. I found the podcast very interesting, and it's a topic that I've been contemplating a lot over the last few months. I agree a lot with what you were both saying in terms of how society has become more feminine and that there is a big negative stance towards open shows of masculinity. However, I do feel at certain moments you may have overgeneralized on how men can be more masculine. For instance, I think there should be a distinction between masculine traits and aspects of a masculine personality. When I think of masculine traits, I think of being the main breadwinner for the family, providing and protecting the family as well as being loyal, honest and trustworthy. These are qualities which are within Islam, like you guys discussed. Whereas on the other hand, things like having aggression and being assertive are aspects of a masculine personality. So basically he's saying there are masculine traits and there's masculine personality. Right. And that, you know, every every man should have the traits, but not necessarily the personality. Mm. Do you agree? Um, what I'd like to ask is, like I'd, I'd like to ask him, is he happy with his personality? Or is it something he wants mm. to change? Do, do you like mm. even you? I mean, are you happy with the way your personality is, or is it something you actively try and change? Because I always feel like uh, um, yeah, definitely. I always feel like there's aspects of my personality that I don't like at all, and I've always tried to change them. But it's it is very of difficult. Course, I think I'm not sure if it was Asima where he he further went on to saying, or someone else might have said it, that changing personality is like super hard. It's mm. difficult to do. Let me, let me finish it yeah. then in that case. So then he goes on to say, Personally, I think the most important thing is to fulfill your obligations from the religion and be able to be, strong, uh, be the strong and confident force for your family through providing for them and assisting them in the religion. When it comes to personality traits, everyone is different and it's impossible to expect all men to behave in a certain way, especially in 2018. However, when it comes to the traits of masculinity, that's something all men should aim for, and it is a realistic aim. Personality traits are deep within people, and to ask them to change is a very big thing. So I admired that you did mention Islam as a solution, but I was waiting to hear more on how men should focus on their own strengths and weaknesses within their own personality to try and strive to be a better man. Also, for some practical, positive approaches for men, particularly teenagers and youth, on how they can try and change to be more confident in themselves and become better men. Um, okay, then he goes on to a bit of another topic. So, so yeah, basically he's saying that you can't expect um, all men to have what he's calling um, the masculine personality. Mm. So, I, I, I don't really agree with what he's saying. Um, and, I'll, and the reason is um, that... Okay, let's say there are 10 major masculine traits. Yeah. yeah? That means that you would only, like, an average man is going to have seven of these or eight of these. Yeah? Mm. He's just going to have, it's, it's, he's just going to have more than a woman would have. He's not going to have 10 out of 10 of those traits. And that's how you get what, what, this, what the brother's calling uh, the personality, which is different flavors and different manifestations of, um, of masculinity. Mm. 
right? We're not, we're not taught, I don't think you meant as well, I don't think we meant like, you have to copy-paste and you have to be this uh, macho, copy-paste uh, muscle guy, yeah. meathead, whatever, yeah? That's not at all what we were saying. You know, for example, I talked about aggression a lot. Aggression can manifest itself in many, many different ways. Uh, you know, in in uh, violence, which is the obvious way maybe that everyone was thinking of, right? Mm. You know, physically defending yourself or your family, right? But then there's aggression in many, many ways. You can write a book uh, with fueled by aggression to, for example, show the truth in your writing, you know? Um, that That's what, you know, I meant when I was saying aggression. There are, depending on... so all men you know eight out of ten men will have that aggression in them then how they channel that is going to be dependent upon yes like he like the brother said like mass uh, your personality isn't it mm. it's difficult really because well yeah it's just a fine line between what is something always someone's characteristics like what sort of where does it, where's it the, where's the line cross between them? someone's personality and then someone's attributes you know and um, I don't think it's a I guess it's the sub sub category yeah so like I said like aggression it can be uh, physically defending yourself and it could be you know in how you write or how you talk or how you work hard yeah I mean I think you were talking about aggression as a a tool that is used at certain occasions as opposed to someone having an aggressive personality you know perhaps yeah perhaps I mean well, you know none of the terms we're using here are like scientific and clearly defined yeah? yeah I mean at least we don't know those those exact definitions maybe but um, but yeah man uh, firstly uh, I'll just clear that up that you know masculine traits are traits that you know 8 out of 10 men have right that's how I'm defining them same with feminine traits are traits that eight out of women have mm. right and that means a man will have one two three four five like a few feminine traits you know depending on how he grew up maybe also depending on his biology and stuff and vice versa for a woman you know Th that's what I was trying to explain about the whole um, Hajar being left in the desert oh, right, and she yeah. kind of took on the thing I was saying that maybe she had that like one masculine trait it doesn't take away from her being a proper woman yeah, yeah, yeah. she's had like one masculine trait just like me sometimes i find myself having certain feminine traits like definitely um especially a few years ago i i would definitely seek approval more than i do now yeah right and that maybe was a reflection of my lack of confidence or whatever but i considered that like kind of a, a bit of a feminine trait and at the same time though it's fine, Yanni. You're not going to like only have masculine traits and no feminine traits. Mm. But what makes that trait? What makes that trait feminine? Like what? What makes that in your head? In, what makes it feminine is that you know eight out of ten women have the trait. Right. So like it's, it's, uh, it's extremely. It's, it's like a statistical thing. Then it's a natural occurrence. Right. Yeah, a natural occurrence. Um, maybe it's a good time to look at some of these uh, papers because. That in in psychology, you know, real science, you know, from uh, real research, mm. you know, there's one model of um, uh, personality traits or character traits, uh, which is called the the Big Five, right? Which is five character traits, okay? And I'll just uh, list them now. So the Big Five: so extroversion, openness, conscientiousness, um, and. Da, 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 da. 
Oh, I thought they were all... Oh, um, uh, agreeableness and neuroticism. Okay? So uh, I believe these are, the, these are the big five, right? Okay. Um, now, for example, this uh, paper that I'm just re-skimming right now, um, they did uh, tests on people across cultures oh, right. to see who would have uh, more of what thing, more of what trait. Uh -huh. Okay? And each trait, each of these five has a sub... Um, have sub uh, characteristics right mm -hmm. and then they did this test they looked at men and women you know obviously scientifically you're supposed to look at your data with no bias yeah. you're supposed to say you know maybe men and women have exactly the same agreeableness for example however what they found is that there is a clear difference when you look across cultures between the character traits of men and women and therefore you can uh, establish you know they concluded that yes men and women across all cultures you know, cultures like Scandinavia, where they've done a lot, a lot of work of trying to create equality between men and women, right, in the whole society, not just at work, right? And then other cultures which are more traditional, maybe like Yemen, for example, or I don't know, yeah, a country like that. So they looked across all different cultures, they found that men and women clearly are different in their character traits. And uh, yeah, so I, I mean, for me, that's enough to say. Uh, that this is um, this is kind of nat natural is built in us to be different to have these to lean towards having these traits. You know, mm, I agree with that. I do, I guess, because you know this it is just the way that nature is going to take shape, really, isn't it? We're not going to be exactly the same, and there's always yeah. going to be stuff that is uh, closely linked to either a man or a woman or males, females, yeah. that kind of thing. It's perfect design, though, bro. It's like. Um, I don't know if you've got a, a, a business you know you've got different people in different roles and uh, you know in my mind you know I have a business and I don't consider myself as one of the owners to be more important per se than the you know my employees or even if I had a big office and a cleaner you know the cleaner has a very essential role because if they don't clean the place gets dirty you can't no one can work yeah. you know there's clear you know everyone's got their role all the roles are important Yes, some roles are maybe require more skill than other. Blah blah blah. Right. However, it, it's 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 specialization. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's what allowed humans to focus on one thing, become really good and efficient at it, and then not have to worry about all the other things in life. You know, like imagine take you know go back a thousand years. Yeah, you got people farming, um, like uh, rice. You got people farming different vegetables. You got people making leather out of uh, you know the cow skin and stuff. You got people um, uh, with chickens, eggs. Like, imagine trying to do all that stuff yourself. Yeah. Like one person trying to get some some chickens, get some vegetables, get some rice, get some. You know, this is this is I don't know. It's kind of economics at this point, where it's like specialization helps things. And yeah, Allah created us with specializations, if you like. Yeah, I guess. So. Um, what 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 makes things maybe upsetting is that uh, people try to jump in a role that they're not built for and they find it difficult maybe mm. um, well I'm, you know, I'm thinking yeah. of okay well going back to what you said about people being specialised in different things and if we talk about from an Islamic perspective at least in an in a, in a ancient Islamic society for example stuff like yeah. uh, I don't know defending defending your people and, and, and wars and stuff like that everyone with who had the capability so who wasn't too old or too young you know, who was a man mm. was expected to perform and to 
sort of stand up in the face of a tyrant and, and defend their people. But then compare that to other civilizations where actually certain civilizations have a set army or a set, you know, a set people who... Yeah. And, and they, there's always this complex between these civilizations because certain civilizations will have... Their warriors are also their shepherds and their farmers and their, you know, blacksmiths yeah. and whatever. But they also mm. place themselves in a in a way that, you know, the uh, male... Uh, you know, warrior mode was was required upon everyone, and everyone had to have certain that certain trait in them. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know, they wouldn't last a second. But then there are civilizations mm. where no, if you were a shepherd or a farmer, that would be what you'd do or all the time, unless you know push came to shove. And mm. there were dedicated warriors and dedicated soldiers who dealt with warfare and yeah. defending the people. So yeah. maybe I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if people's expectations of what it means to be a man just get mixed up in that kind of notion. You know. Mm. You know, that's interesting that you're saying about the warriors and thing. You know, obviously, as time's gone on and as resources have maybe have become available for us, um, we've decided that, you know, fighting um, will become a specialized thing and a full time job. And even if there's no war, yeah. you know, you've got training to do. You maybe even have some kind of uh, helping with floods or whatever, yeah. you know, uh, duties. Right. So that's how like many countries or whatever have moved towards specialization when it comes to fighting um what i remember reading is that part of the reason we have what people call i don't know um uh like masculinity gone astray yeah you know like i don't know like uh, i think it, it was something to do with like these random killings that are going on or like rape or whatever they say it's because one of the reasons because men don't fight anymore yeah you know, only soldiers fight yeah. and even the soldiers that like are at war a lot of the time they're not even in the the field of combat right, right. so they're saying like men don't have the outlet for you know justified um aggression or whatever uh, they don't really have anywhere to exert that like mm. that's what i was meant as well when i said it's a feminine world because you're sitting at a desk at your job you know a lot of people do that they're sitting and and they're just typing yeah. and they're using their brain a lot um, they don't have this outlet you know and you know a lot of people try to remedy that by doing sports going to the gym yeah, you're this right. and that. but like there's always that missing thing of you know how do i where do i let this out you, obviously most men are not thinking like where do i let this out do you think but it, um, i guess it builds up do you think certain countries recognize that and that's why they have like mandatory service like i know algeria has it doesn't it you have to yeah spend. i don't think that's why they have it at all. no no but like I'm not, I'm not saying like that's the prime reason but do you think it's yeah. it could be part of the reason uh no i think they just inherited it no. from the french but do you okay so do and you think it, it's beneficial though in that yeah. sense do you think everyone needs to have some sort of yeah. hard discipline in their life in terms of... Um, you know, it's interesting. In the UAE recently, they, they started actually mandatory uh, military service. Right. Um, and I think that's really cool because, you know, a lot of the young people here, they're growing up with, you know, too much of everything. Mm. And th that doesn't allow you to develop discipline. And so going to the army, I think they have to do six months. I think that would be really beneficial, you know. So I think that was a good idea. And, you know, I think generally for Muslims, you know, a Muslim man should um, have it in his mind to, you know, always try and be strong and always try and be active. And really and truly, uh, you know, outside of the context of the nation state and all this stuff, um, 
a man like it's in Islam like defending your people or your country or whatever is something that you would rush towards mm. it's not something that you would say oh you know that's not my job I'm an engineer or whatever mm. right so this is something obviously that in the modern day we kind of uh, uh, you know we don't really know how to navigate it um, but I think you know definitely uh, you know some kind of military service some kind of scouts you know scouts is cool anything with discipline is really good uh, for men and women, but maybe more for men. Mm. You know, I remember doing uh, karate and doing uh, rugby, and they developed my discipline so much. And I, I don't know, a lot of my personal development in my younger, when I was younger, was like definitely from that kind of discipline that I got. Would you say that? Okay, so when you were younger and you had you had an interest in these hobbies, where did that come from? Did it come from like a role model, someone you looked up to, or was it something that you had in yourself that you just wanted to be, I don't know. Mm. Like I've always, for me, growing up, I don't think I had as many role models or like very strong masculine role models that probably should have, mm. probably could have pushed me to be, I don't know, a bit stronger, faster, better, <laughs> up until mm. now and it's only now that I start mm. that, that role models affect me more which is weird because I'm well, and you didn't I'm almost you didn't really have like physical hobbies like well, sports you no know, this is the thing so I like I mentioned before I grew up with a lot of women like women mm. surrounded my life uh, whether it was my mothers my sisters my aunties whatever um, so I don't think there was many and then like the men that were in my family either weren't around much or they weren't with no offense they weren't like super successful in a way that i could see them you know but the what what mm. what they were like some of the like my grandfather for example was a really family orientated man so the only other goal i had in terms of manhood was to have a family and look after it you know okay. and mm. but now that i've sort of got that mm. i'm like oh what now kind of thing you know how can i be better oh, at that okay do you understand? Yeah. So, which is why I've been uh, thinking a lot was, about this. Mm. But go on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you asked me about, like, why I did those sports or whatever. I think I did karate, like, I don't know. My dad just thought it was good, so he told me to go, like, so I started going. Um, I definitely grew up, like, uh, with, uh, like, I can't remember it very clearly, but I know that I grew up th hearing about the Prophet Sallallahu hearing about the Sahaba, right. the, you know, the Maghazi, the I don't know Khalid bin Walid this and that definitely I remember growing up with that hearing about Palestine as well and this and that like you know Algerians are very into that right of course um, so maybe that maybe that was part of it definitely um, but in my conscious mind uh, especially rugby because rugby I did that when I was like 15 16 17 uh, so I was older I was maybe more conscious of why I was doing it I don't know, bro. I think it was. I just got a buzz from, uh, from uh, you know the. I don't know, like smashing into that's people. A, that's a key point, though. <laughs> that what you've just said about having a, like getting a buzz for it. I think that's what it is because there's there's people that don't get a buzz, and in fact, they question themselves why are they doing this. You know, I had to do. Mm. I had to do um, quite recently, like a lot of training for my job in terms of like uh, fitness tests and stuff like that. And like I'd be, yeah. I'd be doing it, and I just thought I don't want to be here. Like this is horrible. Why do I? Why should mm. I put myself through this? But then there's certain people that love it, and then I say to myself, "Well, I need to learn to love it, really. Otherwise, mm. you know." But there's there are people that crave it, and they just love that kind of. Mm. I don't know if that's part of it or yeah. 
I think uh, you know. I, I you know. I can't remember when, but I have a friend. Okay, he's extremely intense. So he's the type of guy. He'll be like, "Let's go to a gym." I'll be like, "Okay, let's go to a gym." We go to the gym. You know, tell me, bro. Like, how long is a gym session? Like, just average. People. Well, this is another good, like thing. People say like, "Oh, two hours." I've never wanted to spend more than forty-five minutes. I feel like I've done everything. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I would say like one hour maximum. Yeah. yeah, you could even you could do thirty minutes depending on how you. Yeah, doing. yeah, yeah. So let's say one hour, yeah, bro. This guy had no problem going for three hours. Yeah, and he, when I tell him like, "Come on, Yanni, halas, we finished," he'll be like, "Like why? Like what's wrong with you, Yanni?" Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. So he's very intense. Okay, very intense guy. Um, I remember I was. Uh, it, this was re- more recent, right? Um, we were doing some like high intensity um, circuit kind of training, like just like running with different weights on us. We had a tire, we found some tire, like a truck tire, and we had a hammer, and we had to hit it. Yeah, yeah, these yeah. kind of outdoor things, yeah. And I was like in pain, you know, hmm. but he was really enjoying that, and I was like in pain. And it made what what thought came to my mind is that wow like two years ago i wouldn't have felt like this i would have been more in the zone i would have been enjoying the challenge more than i am now mm. right so i think um i don't know i obviously it's part of uh, you know what you're used to but then also part of it is uh, we're not we're not comfortable with it because we're not used to it mm. you know we don't do enough of this stuff and if i was to go and do some kind of high intensity training and i was like tired or i just wasn't into being roughed up or whatever I think my, my I would be telling myself like, yeah, like you're weak, mm. like you 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 you're not on the level that you should be. That's what I would be telling myself. I think um, for myself, the struggle has been to find the motivation to do that. It doesn't come from a place of arrogance. So mm. I think when I was younger, when I was like seventeen, before I was practicing, um, yeah. I found it a lot easier to to train and to be more. I don't know, quote unquote masculine because it came from a place of mm. arrogance where uh, right. I was doing it probably to, I don't know, mm. maybe part of it was to show off a bit, part of it was to be better than other people, that kind of thing. And and yeah. that's fueled by a culture of arrogance through music and through mu- movies and stuff like that. So it's very easy. But now I've started practicing, it's very difficult for me to, to, to find... Yeah, you know, like right now, I'm sort of, I'm almost there in a way that I feel like I can do these things from a place of, you know, Allah subhanahu wa taala loves a strong believer, you know, over there a weak mm. believer, and that trying to embed that into my mind and to do it for that reason is a lot more difficult, but probably you know more, uh, I don't know, blessed than to do it from another place for another reason do you understand what i'm trying to say yeah 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 inshallah it's, it's kind of like i was saying you know trying to get rich when you're not really interested in material stuff yeah it's harder you're less motivated yeah it's pretty much the same thing it's yeah um but you know like there is an element of i wouldn't call it ego but pride which you know is okay maybe like um uh i don't know like if you if you're, you're getting fit, obviously you get fit to follow like the hadith that you mentioned, you know, Allah loves a strong believer. Also to be healthy, mm. right? So, because that's, I think why I do it is because obviously I get the dopamine rush and all that. But um, when I go to the gym regularly, I just feel better. I feel healthier, feel more energetic. Mm. Okay. But then you got the level of just like feeling good about yourself. Maybe you get compliments from your wife, this, this, this. 
I don't know, like, there is that level of pride, which is not like the dirtiest type of pride, mm. you know. Um, but definitely, like, I, don't, I think a Muslim man, he should be going to the gym or he should be getting strong, but he shouldn't be going out with tight clothes. He should actually, in order to stop that arrogance intention coming in, yeah. he should actually hide his gains, yeah. <laughs> he should wear loose clothes. Yeah, yeah. He should wear loose clothes on purpose yeah. to not show people the progress he's made. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the many mashaykh, they always say that you should have as many acts of worship as possible which are completely private between you and Allah yeah. and you know that could be one thing like I'm going to the gym yeah um, I see it my family sees it but other than that I, I'm not putting no photos anywhere mm. I'm not even looking in the mirror just That's keep it. it kind of I think it goes back as well to like the power of role I, like only recently have I really thought about the power of role models and how powerful that is um, mm. because recently I've started seeing more Muslim men that I would want to be like or imitate even though like I, I feel I feel like role models should really be affecting younger people but like mm. I said earlier I'm almost 25 and I feel like it's hitting me now more than it ever has before um, mm. and I don't know I think it's it really is because of what I mentioned earlier like I've hit a point where this was it and now I don't know what else to mm. aspire to and yeah. sort of looking yeah. for something else but um, yeah no, that's normal though yeah, yeah I, I mean so. The Prophet is always going to be a role model for us, right? Yeah. Until we're dead, right? So that means, you know, for your whole life, you're going to have at least one role model, which means why not have more than one as well? Like, yeah, 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 you true, know? true. You're allowed, Yanni. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know what? This reminds me, uh, I was thinking uh, a really good example. You know, we mentioned like Musa and uh, how he was vulnerable with Allah. Yeah. Uh, another trait which I find very masculine is having self-control yeah. and uh, kind of discipline. And I always remember the story of Ali bin Abi Talib, who I believe it was the battle of, uh, it was Uhud, I think. I believe it was Uhud, where um, he had his he had an enemy um, on the floor or something, mm. and his he was he could kill him there and then, and then he just got up and he left him. Yeah. And then later he was asked, you know, I saw you that you didn't kill him. Like, why? He's like, I was going to kill him out of anger or ego, not out of, uh, not for the sake of Allah. Mm. And so I didn't do it. And I just thought, imagine you, because obviously we don't really know what it's like to be in a battle. But when you're in a battle, you got mad um, adrenaline rushing. You've got people trying to end your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I would imagine that when people are trying to end your life, you equally want to end their life, yeah. yeah? But he got this guy into a vulnerable position. He could have killed him. And then he had enough self-control to say, actually, no, it's not for the sake of Allah, so I'm not going to do it. Like, that is super in control, super masculine. Yeah, no doubt. I thought it was, uh, I believe, didn't the, the man that he had on the floor spat on him, I think. I think he spat yeah. at him, and then that's what made him like drop his sword. That, that rings a bell. Ah, sah, sah, yeah, that, that, you reminded me, yeah, true, true, yeah. He spat at him, which engaged his ego or something, mm. and then he didn't want, it wouldn't, he wouldn't have killed him for the sake of Allah or whatever. That's, mm. that's great stuff though, like, that's sort, that's sort of the stuff that inspires me, uh, in this day and age. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, definitely. Don't really get much of that to, uh, to exercise, really, because you don't really get put in those kind of situations, but <laughs> it's true. No, I think, you know, Obviously, we've we've moved from a a world that values physical strength um, a lot less, right? 
Mm. Um, but you know, I, I just think equally there is the strength of mind which is always there. And in the end, what we're just talking about now is is phys- is mental strength, isn't it? Mm. It's not. That's not physical strength, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the Prophet said the strongest one is the one who c- controls his anger, isn't mm. it? So you know, again, that's self-control. So. You know, very clear indications, I guess you could say, like from the Sunnah and stuff, of, you know, what strength is. Uh, no doubt physical strength is one aspect of it, though. I think that's, um, it's important, though, isn't it? Because, like, um, obviously all men are weak in a way. Um, I think what makes it even weaker is, like, in terms of, like, from a Muslim and Islamic perspective, is seeing men that are openly weak with their sins in public, you know, that... that that's quite or someone who's struggling but then is so open about their struggle in the way that let's say I mean I've seen it on Twitter and, and all sorts of social media where someone's very openly practicing and then they may have a, a, a bout of lowy man but instead of keeping mm. that quiet they sort of put it out there for the world to see and then suddenly their sins are a uh, I don't know a stage show and everyone can sort of see what they're up to do you understand yeah. what I mean I, 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 that really irritates me because they are really and truthfully like they're capable of being very strong and very I don't know assertive and that but then when it comes to the you know the the, the demons inside them then they've got no qualms about showing the world how weak they've become mm. yeah I mean I think that's a, a good time when it would be best to just not be on social media because it's so easy to to do that I feel like when you're in that state where you're weak or whatever um, you're kind of maybe you're fed up, maybe you're lacking uh, confidence or whatever, mm. and you end up. You would never say it to someone face to face, right? You'd have enough, whatever it is, shame or whatever, not to mention it for better or worse. Yeah. And then because it's easy on on Twitter or whatever, you just let it out, and obviously that's a you let it out in a time of when you're lacking uh, self control, mm. and uh, it's kind of like you're seeking uh, validation, yeah, or you're approval right. or attention. And you know, I've, you know, like you mentioned, I've seen really blatant acts of this. Yeah. Um, but I just felt like, I just felt so bad, like for them, really, because it was so clear to me that they're just like crying out for attention. Yeah. Um, but, but it's that's the thing. It's a, it comes at a key point where the ego is the highest. There is no higher point in, of the ego as far as that point there when someone has got low man and suddenly is high and mighty in themselves in terms of, you know, openly sinning, thinking that it's going to give them some sort of uh, power trip when really it actually makes you look the weakest you've probably ever been. Mm, yeah. L- lose your dignity in the process. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And then on top of that, when that's combated, it becomes a, well, only God can judge me uh, speech, you know? Yeah. But, well, yeah. you know, it's a... It's a it's very difficult Um, let's continue this email Charlie oh yeah so when you moved on to discussing more about the issue of suicide and the difference of men and women discussing their feelings I like how I liked how you mentioned that Allah should be the one whom we show our weaknesses to as someone who has issues with anxiety in the past has had issues with anxiety in the past and has had counselling sessions it was good to get a shake up in the sense that our reliance should be upon Allah However, I feel again, it's not always enough to simplify the solution to just Islam. I know you both aren't bashing mental health issues, but it sort of came across a bit that way. I have had many struggles over the past couple of years and I feel opening up a bit would have helped. 
Of course, only the right avenues. In the right avenues, this is where brotherhood, I guess, is important for support and having strong role models in our lives, things which I haven't really had. Yeah. Um, but, but overall, podcast gave me a good new perspective on the matter and a realization of what I should change about myself. I'm naturally an introverted person, so I'm not your most masculine man. It was a good discussion to hear, and I've certainly have taken a lot away from it. Um, and then he said, if you do part two, please, I would like to hear more about the topic. Anyway, this is a very nice um, very nice email. Um, I just want to say, introverted and extroverted is nothing to do with being masculine. So that's that's nothing to do with how masculine you are, I would say. Mm. I, I'm introverted, you know. I mean, obviously, there's discussion over if these things even exist. But if I was to put myself in a category, I'm definitely introverted. And I would say I'm pretty masculine in how I just ended up being. So, and I've seen, you know, actually, maybe the most masculine people are introverted. Not long Island, you know. I'm, uh, um, it depends on what time of the day it is for me. I could be introverted <laughs> one day. And yeah, exactly. Come nighttime, I'm all over the place and I'm the loudest guy in the room. But it just, <laughs> honestly... But um, as far as uh, moving on to what he said about uh, simplifying, what's oversimplifying uh, yeah. sem- uh, mental health, I think whoever speaks about mental health issues will always oversimplify it. I don't think we can escape from that. Uh, you know, I think even, yeah, but, even but bro, we didn't even do that in the episode. I know we was telling people like you can go and seek professional help. And I'd have to, I'd have to re-listen to the whole thing again because we might have said one thing or another, but. Um, in general, in, in generally speaking, I think we were trying to come from a place of like the initial spark of why that path, like that downward spiral, was taken, could be because of X, Y, Z, and then what pushes it further are obviously individual matters that each and every person goes through. But like, what where I was coming from was that um, I said I think that it's become like a daily occurrence that men are committing suicide to the point where I said that it doesn't seem like an individual thing anymore. It seems like a nationwide problem and it has to spawn from a general um, issue that affects the entire population, not necessarily everybody's individual. Because, yeah, everybody's going to have individual situations that press upon them. But Mm. I think for me, like I said, it was the fact what amazed me that it became a daily occurrence that I thought something's got to be wrong with society for it to affect such a large proportion of people. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, so just to clarify, like, I remember us saying that, you know, uh, Musa Salam was vulnerable with Allah, etc. But then we also went on to say, like we said, you know, men, you know, you should be vulnerable with Allah, speak to Allah, ask Allah for help. Um, but then also we said, like, you should actually open up and you should seek help. Mm. Um, but we just said, you know, I think what we said was don't complain. You know, it's probably better not to like go straight to your family and let them know, mm. you know, the people that rely on you, let them know like you're not to be relied on, basically. Mm. We said, yes, go seek help from a professional or, or whatever, you know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think that is what's counterculture to people because generally, if you speak to the masses about what a person facing, you know, issues should do. They'll say, oh yeah, speak to the people that you love the most and share it with the family. But my, the only thing is, that's the difference of opinion that we're having now with that kind of majority is that we're saying that sometimes that can make it worse because you're appearing weaker in front of the people that you should be the strongest in front of. I think that's what it is. 
Um, and no person you ever speak to is going to be 100% unbiased and 100% like... Because whatever you say, it's like what they call Batari's box. Uh, Batari's box is like this theory of um, behavior in regards to your attitude affects the person that you're speaking to. And then that affects that attitude, which then affects you. So it's like a circle. So if I am a certain way towards my family and showing them my weaknesses, then they might vocally or outwardly try and support me. But then inwardly, they're starting to feel maybe, even though they can't help it, they'll feel a, a bit a certain way about me because I am less of what they yeah. thought I was to understand. Um, yeah. So, and then that affects you and you, you, then you start to see that in them, even though they don't mean to, and they don't act the way they want, you know, but it is, it, it's a debate really, isn't it? It's, there's, I'm not saying what we're saying is right. It's just a, a counter theory to, yeah, there's always nuances, isn't there? Yeah. 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 And, and also what I think what all the listeners should do is this is why I, I like podcasts because they're an hour plus long. And so we can kind of go a bit deep and we can fully explain what we mean. But instead of, I mean, on top of just listening to the one episode about masculinity, for example, you would then go and listen to our episode about mental health, inshallah, when we do that one. Mm. And then you put them all together and you get an idea of what we actually mean. Because, you know, if you think about it, we need tens of hours to fully explain what we mean on a topic, mm. probably. And so, I mean, we're both here, like, yeah. I personally am, I don't know about you, but we're both, I feel like we're both here to sort of start that discussion and and learn a thing or two ourselves, really. I like getting emails from, because um, we've got, we get, every now and again we've got quite a few emails regarding um, people who are in the mental health sector or, or have that sort of experience yeah. and say a thing or two from their perspective. Like, I may have, I've studied uh, psychology and sociology academically uh, and also at university as well and... I've learned bits and pieces, but I will never say that oh, I'm an expert or anything. I just like to bounce ideas around, and when something clicks, yeah. I kind of you know that's it's nice to know that something's clicked or something's sort of you throw something at the wall and it sticks, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, definitely. I think you know in this world where everyone's asking questions about everything, you know, is this even the case? Questioning any norms or traditions or anything, it's good to understand how your brain works because. For me, at least, it brings me back to, it grounds me. Mm. So when people throw this and this and this around, I can firmly say, actually, you know, because of this and this, mm-hmm. if you get what I mean. No doubt. Um, let's go on to our next email, inshallah. This is real juicy. So <laughs> Let's have a look. This, this is very long, but it's very, uh, I remember reading it was very insightful and stuff. So uh, I'll read it, bro, unless you want to. Uh, wait, I'm just trying to find it uh, the one from LH oh right yeah masculinity wait a minute oh wow oh yeah I think I started reading it and then uh, anyway I'll, I'll go through it then um, okay assalamu alaikum Muhammad and Amin apologies for this email coming so late at night um, but I've just finished listening to your very insightful podcast about masculinity especially in the Islamic sense and I just had to email my thoughts are still fresh in my mind. Uh, this is going to be a really long email, but it's a testament to the quality content you have just provided me with. I think um, this is a lady, isn't it? Yeah, so it's coming from a female perspective. Um, I work within women's aid, human trafficking field of work, and I have been looking for something to give me some insight into men's discussions about their status, which is often missing from the conversation. I really appreciated both of your viewpoints, and I had some comments, questions. I was hoping you'd elaborate. So um, there's bullet points here 
maybe six. So each bullet point we can yeah, comment. Yeah. And sure. yeah. Okay. Then. So the first one is firstly, as I, as mentioned, I've studied and worked within gender rights. Um, whilst I fully support the idea Muslim women should work and have opportunities, whether professionally or spiritually, I am increasingly, in bold, uh, troubled by the liberal thinking of our changing society. This topic about gender fluidity, transgender issues is a real hard one for me to understand. Whilst I believe equality in some sense, Allah has made both men and women very different, especially mentally. So I truly believe men and women should have their roles and this while, and this while liberal thinking that men and women can just dip into each other's gender is just really puzzling for me <laughs> as it's just a, tr a trend in quotations uh, i think this is i think this pro thinking process is complete attack on conservative islamic values um just uh, i've got something to say about this i had something to say about this uh, i think um <laughs> i think people let it affect them too much i think if that's the way certain societies are going or that's the way certain people choose to sort of go then I don't think a lot of it is naturally imposed upon you I know that certain aspects of it that you feel like, like it's like uh, you know they say PC gone mad and that kind of thing and yes people yeah. worry about how you know they're going to raise their kids in a society such as that but I'm sure like a hundred years ago people worried about what what society is now and and time and time again Muslims have navigated themselves through this and m much you know much more different things or harder things to navigate through and I think it's just down to you as an individual to live your life according to what your values are and to, to teach that to your kids and to establish because that's the biggest problem I think people fear is how is this going to affect our children you know a lot of people think about yeah. that and I just think it's down to you and it's down to your relationship with your child and not relying on a system to educate your child for you or a system to govern your life for you you know when you're in, when you're in the four walls of your house you're the king of your castle and the way you live your life and you practice your culture is the way it's done you know the outside world is never going to be in your control and to to be down about it is i don't know it's a bit difficult what do you think i may be being a bit pessimistic but what do you think well you're not you're actually being optimistic you're saying that you know, you have control. You have a good amount of control. Mm. I mean, you know, obviously more and more um, kids are being influenced by stuff outside of their family, right? They're spending maybe, yeah, they are spending less time with their family, especially their, um, what's it called, distant family or whatever. Um, you know, they're, they're easily being, uh, they have easy access to uh, the internet, which is the outside world, right? It's no longer... Uh, you know, going in the street and hanging out with the other kids, it's like, you know, on your phone, isn't it? You can mm. hang out with kids or whatever and, and get influenced that way. So it's definitely difficult. Um, for me, it's like, yeah, like, okay, so firstly, um, the, any issue such as this transgender thing, any issue, you need to understand the, the true Islamic stance on it, right? Not the, uh, oh, I just read one, two lines about it. Oh, this is haram, this is, this is. No, like, understand the Islamic stance on it, firstly. Secondly, uh, learn how to communicate and to deal with this, with, with whatever the issue is, mm. right? Because a lot of the time, I think, um, you know, uh, for example, yeah, the whole gay thing, yeah? Like, I think it's only in the last, like, five years did Muslims start to understand the true... Uh, Islamic stance on it 
And then they started learning how do we actually um, convey this when non-Muslims are kind of right. asking about it or yeah. whatever. So I think if you've got those two things, like you know the Islamic stance, you know how to communicate the stance, then, and obviously you have to un understand it, truly internalize what's right and well, wrong. Yeah. And then, um, well, this is it. And then you'll be in a really good position. Well, it comes if it comes from an overly. If we come from an overly sheltered perspective, then the moment anyone encounters this in the real world, they don't know what to act. They don't know how to act, and suddenly they they start shunning it away like the plague, not knowing how to actually communicate our perspective and our stance on it. Do you understand? Mm. Like. When you're out in the real world, you're going to encounter these things. You're going to encounter these issues. But if you grow up in a sheltered, like a sheltered system where you've always been away from it and not been taught any way of having any dialogue or no, you know, no way of talking things out. This is a problem with a lot of families that are cultural Muslims but have no real sort of education because everything's, you know, this is haram and this is haram and this is what you should do and this is what you should do and that's it. That's all you get. But then when you're out in the real world and someone actually asks you, why is this haram? Or how come... Do you understand? Like, why is X, Y, Z? You don't know what to say. And then suddenly, well, actually, maybe this person asking me questions is right because I don't even know why I do these things that I do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, so I think if you have that that understanding, which is clear, and it's like properly, like it's actually based on, on Islam, then uh, you'll be more confident. It will bo bother you much less, you know. Mm. But also, I just want to add, like... She said, uh, I think this thinking process is a complete attack on conservative Islamic values, yeah? So, firstly, you know, it's not actually just Muslims who are um, worried or concerned about these kind of, uh, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, super liberal thinking or whatever. It's not just us, right? It's like Christians in America, they're mm. concerned. Uh, anyone actually who is family orientated mm. and they, you know, they consider that to be a really important part of society... They, they're worried about it. Like, America has 320 million people in it. Mm. Plenty, plenty of them are concerned about this, mm. right? Um, and I think it's just normal because when you kind of try and project with this whole transgender thing where it's going in 50 years, you can kind of forecast that it will mess up families, definitely. It will change how families have been for thousands of years, mm. right? So that is a worrying thing because... You know, I don't know about anyone else, but I don't really want to leave it to humans to decide how families should be. I would rather leave it to how Allah kind of uh, inherently put it inside us, you know, to, to be. I just, so, I, I um, just personally think yeah. that, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. But I just personally mm. don't think it'll, things like this ever reach a point where it actually becomes super detrimental to the family unit. Because this is the way that human beings have been since the dawn of time. And... In terms of you know, there's there's elements that change. There's there's parts of things that change, but the great yeah. mass and the great norm of society is mm. you know, a man and a woman and kids, and that's you know I mean that's always been the way it is. And there are differences here and there, but generally it tends to be differences that people choose to to engage in. You know, someone's choice, and, mm. and it is true, someone's choice about their sexuality or about their gender or whatever doesn't necessarily have to affect you, even though the world wants to make you think that it does. It, it really, I don't think it does, personally. I think you can still... I don't think it affects, uh, I don't think it has to affect Muslims. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I read something very interesting. Uh, this woman, um, I think she's an academic. She said, whenever a society uh, delved into this transgender thing... They, their civilization collapsed. Mm. 
within a few decades, right? And she cited like the Romans and this and that, right? So I think if you're if the culture, right, if if it becomes normal, mm. it could be a danger to that culture, definitely, yeah. because you know you have the whole problem of no kids being born and this and this. So it is a threat in that sense. Mm. But you know, as Muslims, like you know, as long as we kind of know our stance, like. Inshallah, wouldn't be a problem. Well, yeah, this is a, that's what I was trying to get at. Like in terms of it affecting Muslims, the only Muslims it will affect is the Muslims that choose to let it affect them. In a sense that Muslims who are maybe not either not educated or not entirely happy with their own faith and seek to mm. sort of assimilate yeah. and change certain aspects of it instead of really understanding what their faith says why their faith says mm. that and how to communicate that in the best way to people that may be anti or maybe do you understand i mean i've had discussions yeah. with people who are uh gay lesbian transgender all you know all the tick boxes right but I'm confident enough in my own faith and my own way of explaining it to them that doesn't actually put me at odds with them in a way that they're going to mm. just think I'm some barbaric, you know, yeah, old old guy that doesn't do you understand. But it, and it goes yeah, back to what we were saying. Yeah, it goes, because you actually know it exactly. It goes back to what we were saying about forget that. How are you as a human being, and how best do you put Islam in the forefront? Like this is an issue. Yeah. This is an issue that some people have with Islam is that that whole thing about you know sexuality and stuff like that but then look at all the other aspects of Islam that you should be practicing and like the dawah that you offer people as a person being the best at your job or being the best neighbor or being the best this and that and that right mm. people will look at that one black spot in their head of well this is an issue with Islam I don't like but then how bad can Islam be if look at all of this good stuff that this person is doing do you understand what I mean and then yeah. When the when the positives outweigh the one negative that the person has, then they really that one negative becomes very weak in their head, and then they start questioning how negative that one negative is. Wallahu a'lam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but also the point I wanted to make is that if you feel you're being attacked or you know you feel kind of uncomfortable about it, then know that many many people in the world are are, are uncomfortable with it, including white westerners yeah. christians or even non-christians yeah so but this yeah. is it sorry this is it like there'll always be something like that because if it was the other way around and suddenly we were, we were living in a, a right-wing state where everything was like super conservative then we would have other mm. battles that are, you know we'd have other battles in terms of psychological battles to face that aren't always going to be because it will be a different it will be a different terrain some other things yeah, will, will yeah. be there. and it's just you've got to pick your battle which poison do you want so to speak not saying it's yeah. poison but I'm just saying the term you know what what yeah, is it yeah. that you want to deal with yeah definitely um oh what was that anyway let's move on we stayed a long time oh, yeah <laughs> Uh, okay. Both of you mentioned a really interesting point that as women have more pro opportunities in being educated and working, that a man's worth lessons as his main role as breadwinner role has shifted as women are just as able to bring the paper home as well. I mean, my question to you is that from what I gathered, you raised this issue and issue, but you raised this as being an issue, sorry, but would the solution be that women stopped working? Uh, would that then affirm? Would that then reaffirm a man's role within the family society? What's the solution to this? As society has changed, women do work, and men, in a sense, have to deal with it. But I'll deal it with. But when where I think women need to play a role is that they don't make 
men feel bad or less worthy because I'm potentially doing a role that is similar to them. I would like to think that if I get married or any other women that our duty is to shape the man's standing so that they wouldn't feel adequate and I don't think this is an issue men face is uh, the constant validation they need. Okay, I try to break that as much as I could. But <laughs> uh, So basically, I think it's basically saying what is the solution to that issue then? Is it that women should mm. stop working? Um, well, you know, she asked me, what's the solution? I mean, the simple answer is, yeah, they don't work. I mean, I actually would say that if, if possible. Um, because, you know, I try to speak in ideals. Mm. And then it's for you, the listener, to say, okay, if that's the ideal, um, based on my circumstances, you know, how close can I get to that ideal, mm. right? So, and also, I'm not here telling people how to live their life. I can't possibly do that unless I know you very well mm. and I know all your circumstances. So I, I think, yeah, I think ideally, um, women wouldn't work, especially for money. Mm. Um, if what, what I do think it would be good is like, okay, so a woman's not working. Well, firstly, yeah. What you have to ask uh, as a woman is why do I want to work? You know, because the worst thing ever to do is to do something just because everyone else does it. Like I just hate that, man. Right. Um, so yeah. So think, why am I actually doing this? Right. Um, and also, you know, it's been pummeled into you to think that success is having a job, having a career, or having your own money, or being independent of a man, or whatever. Right. Like, just question this stuff. Right. So why do I want a job? That's the first thing. Um, because I think you know, really and truly, I've spoken to this about my close with my close friends so many times that many women, yeah, I'm talking about uh, Arab women, like in the Arab world, yeah, a lot of them, you know, they want to go out and they go to uni, they want to get jobs, right? Right. But and and they, the thing is, like, there's such a uh, what's the word? There's an illusion that having a job and a career is amazing but you know what these young women they get into jobs and then they hate it just like all the men hate it mm. you know and then it's like whoa is this success mm. because the truth is like 80 percent of men and women they hate their jobs right? right the men are staying there you know men have to put up with it because that's their that's their role and obviously they should try and um you know try and control their job and try and you know work in a better environment or whatever that they actually like but that's that's their struggle yeah let them deal with that struggle as for women you don't have to jump in that struggle you, you know you're not per se you're not forced into that struggle right so ask yourself why do you want to do it um i think you know a woman if she's not going to be at work you know she's going to be at home she could do her health she can study she could uh, become an academic not in the tr even in the traditional sense i could sit home and access thousands of journals online i could be a proper expert in something right sitting at home um, actually, I know my, my dad's friend, He uh, his job is in IT, but yet he became such an expert in a, a certain field of biology, I can't remember, that Harvard invited him all the way to the US to like give lectures and mm. stuff, okay? And he did that all from his home with no PhD. He's got a PhD, but not in that, right? Mm. So the world is, well, like, it's, it's all yours. You can do something else like volunteer your time to an organization or to a school or, you know, just teach kids uh, that uh, don't have uh, their parents, maybe they work. Mm. So uh, when they come home from school, get the kids around your house, teach them Quran, teach them little lessons, do some drawing with them, do whatever. Mm. Yani, when you have your, your, when your time is not, you're not being forced to spend eight to 12 hours of your day at work, 
Voila, the world opens up for you and you can deliver true value to the world which doesn't have a monetary value on it. Mm. It's worth way more than £10 an hour, £20 an hour. It's, it's something that you, know, you have the freedom to do because you're not forced uh, to make a, a, you know, money, right? This is all obviously with the little asterisk and now I'm going to put it at the end. <laughs> it says, it's obviously if, if you can afford to do yeah. that, you know, if you don't have to work. But I think it's so worth it um, having that freedom to contribute, not thinking about money, that I would, you know, do a lot. I would go out of my way a lot to be in that position, such as moving to somewhere cheaper, such as doing X, Y, Z. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I don't know if I... Now you, bro, <laughs> I just spoke ideally, yeah? Now you come and slap the real life on. Well, yeah, this is it. I think, like, I don't, I don't think I agree 100%. I think... Uh, I think maybe because I'm speaking from a perspective of being surrounded by women, but I think women who who there are women that need to work think anyway so because of the way that circumstances are, they can't survive without it, right? I think yeah. for women that do work already and they're married to someone, and there's, I mean, the number one thing is that all this is going to always change. Like the fact that a woman's working and a man's working, it's just going to change the makeup of the family. But I think, you know what, Islam has already provided a solution, even though it actually sounds counterintuitive. But the fact that Islam says that a woman's money is hers, right? And a man's money is, mm. a man's responsibility is to look after a woman despite the fact that the woman may have more money than he has, right? I yeah. think that psychologically speaking, that does more for a man's control over his family than one would think a man like i could be married to, well, not me but someone could be married to a rich woman right and just the fact that that man is still responsible for that woman's well-being and that woman understands it and if the man allows her knowing full well that that money is hers and allows her to keep her money and do whatever then she she naturally will still be um what's the best way of putting it the, basically, the roles will still remain the same, knowing full well that that man's responsibility is to provide for her and that she has no obligation to, to pay for anything. Do you understand? Let's say that a woman was working, right? And, and she was still married to someone who was also working. But that man's responsibility is to pay all the bills in the house, right? To put food on the yeah. table, right? And that's his responsibility. And she knows that that's his responsibility. But then she treats him yeah. in a way... That she identifies that that's his responsibility and respects his responsibility and sees that he's, you know, her money could be gone on whatever she wants, but his money has to go on the bills, has to go on provisions, has to go on, on keeping a roof over their head. And I think that's where the respect yeah. comes from. That's the difference. The difference mm. isn't in... Yeah, definitely. The, that is that is like my ideal. If you're not going to go all the way to my ideal, yeah. maybe the next level down would be what you're talking about yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Where none of this half, like he pays half the rent, she pays... None of yeah. that rubbish, yeah. yeah? Be- the guy will always pay the full rent. Yeah, you're right. Like that's what would give him that. That's what that, gives him the uh, edge, and respect. especially, especially yeah. if she's identifying that. Like I wouldn't, I would not, you know, I would not rate unless it's an emergency. But I would not rate a man who sticks his hand out to a woman and asks her for some, you know, for help. Or despite, like you, you should ask, you should ask your friends and your, you know, you should ask someone else for help before you ask your wife. For help in terms of finances you know and yeah there are women there are women who you know earn just as much as their husbands who would gladly give whatever they can to help the family and help the situation out and help the husbands mm. out you know mm. but then this goes back to how does a man how does a man conduct himself as a husband as a father which is you know it is a topic in itself but should a man um 
confess all his economic struggles to his wife? Should he say that he's having a hard time? Should he tell her that, you know, this is how much money I'm making and this is how much, like, by the number, by the number, should he show, like, should they, should they be that transparent with each other that the man will always show, you know, everything to his wife? Or should he, you know, keep his cards close to his chest and just tell her not to worry about it and I've got it covered kind of thing? Even though he could be struggling... Because that's my that's my understanding. My under, my opinion, anyway, is that a man should keep his cards close to his chest, even though the woman may dislike it. I think there's more benefits of letting the letting your wife know that things are under control. Don't worry about it. I've got it under control because that's what a man's responsibility is to do: is to have it under control. Mm. Instead of saying, "Oh, I've only got this much left this month. Um, no, I can't get you this and that." <laughs> no, no, but true because because that but that that moment that that kind of. Um, speech to your to your partner of I can't this month this is why etc etc that's what puts it maybe it might influence a, 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 a spouse to seek to get a job and to have her own money and to not rely on a man because she can't rely on her husband yeah yeah there is the aspect of you know I hear a lot of women saying oh I don't want to be asking my husband for money well, um, I hate that it shouldn't be that I don't think I don't know if women should <laughs> you know what bro that's a really uh, that's a like proper man's response like i hate that because it's true we would love to be asked like for money from uh, our wives yeah. right as long as as long as it's not like for stupid stupid reasons yeah but I, I, generally I, is, we would love that yeah. yeah i mean i've spoken to other married men and i've spoken to and it is different everybody's different and then it does depend on you know who you're married to and what their sort of expectations yeah. are but this goes back to yeah. the key points and how and who you marry and why you marry them because not only do yeah. you marry someone for Dean Dean is Dean is obviously the, the number one thing but you also have to look at yeah. what background that that person comes from does she come from a, 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 a family that's richer than you that's used to more that is you know I mean I remember when I when I got married and my father-in-law said to me um, in regards to my wife he said that he wants me to give, like, provide for her ev- at least everything that she had when she was with her father. You know, he went in. Yeah, but it's it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and, and and that's fair enough because if there's anything I've less, I've heard than, that before. Yeah, but the thing is, though, if like a fifty-year-old is telling a twenty-year-old that you've got to provide the same as a fifty-year-old, of then course. But I'm not saying in a way that no, no, no I'm not saying I'm talking about like just. Uh, I don't know the best way to how to put it, but just in terms of like your average day to day lifestyle things, you know, yeah, yeah. yes, things will be harder and things will, you know, it's a slow climb, but in terms mm. of basically, and, and, and go back to, okay, go back to the role models we speak about, the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I'm sure I've read somewhere the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam never actually said no to anybody, right? There was never a no, there was always a trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and anything that was asked of him, he would. You know, try and strive to, to do it for people, and that should be the approach we have. I don't think that I don't think that we should always say no, and that should be our first thing and last thing. There should always be this attitude of inshallah, but with conviction, not just inshallah to sort of yeah. brush things under the, the rug kind of thing. You know, yeah. And and it depends. One of the worst traits in a man is being stingy. Mm. That's for sure. That's for sure. No, definitely. Losing your temper and being stingy. Yeah, and it's difficult. It is difficult because I, I like, for example, I've just moved out now, um, mm. and I'm, I'm sort of doing the whole shebang. So I've got, you know, I've got the wife, kid, and paying like everything. Doing right? the whole shebang. Yeah. No, but this is it. This is it. <laughs> so you know, when when I'm asked for something and I know that rent's due, then uh, how do I react? 
you know? And, and I'll, I'll actively just question myself. And I will say things that I probably shouldn't say, and I will react in a way that I probably shouldn't say. But mm. uh, when I think, lo- you know, long-term, I think, actually, it's not down to me, and the risk comes from Allah, and I should just be a bit more positive. I should actively mm. be more positive. What I do, maybe I don't like is, because you said earlier about women asking for money, I don't... It's a bit of a mixed bag, really, because... I think it's cool. It's cool. It's great when someone asks you for something, but I don't know about money in general. You know, mm. I think a man should mm. always have some sort of control over what's coming into his house. You know, <laughs> because sometimes you could just give money out, and then you you just get all sorts of weird stuff just being bought that probably wasn't that necessary. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't really know how to deal with that. I think it's difficult. I think every obviously every woman's different, and it depends where. Where yeah. come. But the overlying principle, what I'm trying to say, is that you know, even if a woman is working, as long as the mm. if she knows that the man is responsible over her in terms of her well-being, mm. but but it's not. I'm not saying that in a way that she's taking the mick and just using that to advantage. I mean that through that she respects him because that's what he has to do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So the I gave my kind of ideal answer, which I do think that's the best situation, but. You know, if you're going to be working anyway, or it's true, like, let's be real, yeah? Western society has shaped uh, Muslim women as well yeah. to have the idea of success and have the, it's completely normal to work and what else would you do with your life? Yeah. And what else would you do with your degree and all that? So I understand that as well. I think, you know, it, it also teaches uh, women in those societies to have certain masculine traits, mm. uh, no doubt. And so maybe it's a bit unrealistic for me to say, like, every single Muslim woman shouldn't work. Like, I get that. Um, again, I just said ideals, but then I think the solution you gave, you know, is really good and practical. Like, you know, even if you're working and stuff, like just uh, assume the role per se. You know, like, uh, you know, let him pay for the stuff, let him cover the stuff, let him be in control, mm. obey your husband and stuff, and that will that probably would maybe fix, you know, a good seventy percent of the stuff. I think mm. the rest of Inshallah. it, the rest of it, just comes from the man's attitude himself and how how good of a human being he is and how good of a Muslim he is. But that's also why you got to pick your husband properly. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, I don't, you shouldn't allow Alam because I think it's built into most men. Like, they would rather their wife doesn't work, maybe, you know. I th- even in the UK, I think a Muslim, generally Muslim men would prefer not. Mm. I'm not sure. But that's why when you're getting married, like, you should be very open about that. You know, it should be absolutely um, clear that, okay, I intend to work. I intend to do this, yeah. this, this. The women, the men, sorry, the men who say opposite are generally the men who don't want to upset women because they think that telling them that is going to, is some a form mm. of oppressing them. But we're not saying that. Yeah. We're saying, we're not saying we don't want our wives to work. We're saying we don't want our wives to have to work. That's really what we're coming from. Mm, I don't want either, bro. Well, you're, you're, you're a mean outspoken, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just honestly, even I apply what I said to myself. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, if I can avoid... Um, putting in 10 hours of work a day to, just to make money, yeah. I would avoid that and I would put in 10 hours a day working for something more than money. Yeah. Like I would still work, but I would, wouldn't do it for money per se if I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, you know. But this is it. No how, how, I'm a man, I'll work for it. it. It shows you actually, really and truthfully, it shows you how much a man values a woman's work at home, you know? Because I value it a lot. I really, really do. And I know a lot of women don't value that and they don't really care about that. Some women do and it's and it's brilliant. But there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with 
housewife, and I'm not saying that in a you know derogatory way. That that role is so undervalued in society. It's ridiculous. Yeah, bro. It's all propaganda, man. It, like, it, it's really... it is the pillar. I believe it's the pillar of the household. It's the pillar of a family. It's just the pillar that like, oh man, when I when when you know you go into a house that is just men. Like I remember going into houses with like you know bachelor lot bachelor houses. You know, it's just guys living there, and it's an absolute tip, and they can't cook. Can't cook anything, and we're eating off the floor, and the food is just not not nice, and it's just it's just <laughs> greasy, and there's grease everywhere. And it's do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? But then yeah. you can't beat a woman's touch, you know, you can't. And if mm. you go like I remember living, you know, when when I was married to my wife, she she wasn't working a bit when she moved to where I live, but then she got a job, and then I started just seeing changes in the house that I wasn't, mm. you know, that I wasn't used to. And then when she stopped working, mm. everything fixed itself again. Right, mm. and I'm not. And I'm, what I'm trying to say is that's not what b- women are good for. But it's such a big pillar of the house to have the house in order, and not just that. But then when you have kids, to have your kids in order, to know that there's someone at home all the time. Do you understand? It's just, I don't know. It's, yeah, man. I think I think we definitely need to have a whole episode about this because yeah. I've got a hundred things to say. Uh, but yeah, I think we gave some pretty good answers, inshallah. And uh, we welcome any other suggestions about how to solve that whole situation. Um, and by the way, I'll discuss it on the other episode, but I don't accept the idea that men and women have to work always. Like, definitely, there are at least exceptions, if not a majority. But anyway, let's go to the next one. Oh, God. Um, regarding Muhammad's point about respect men automatically about the respect men automatically receive at least traditionally I think is correct there is a show I've been watching for about three years called Dirilis uh, Arturo which I was on that show I've been watching this myself I was on that show before any everyone else jumped on the hype now it was a it's a Turkish show about Arturo Ghazi the father of Osman Osman the founder of the Ottoman Empire um, the show really depicts the role of both men and women separately but what I absolutely adore about the show is that men are truly men who um, show courage and justice but take great counsel from their wives, mothers, sisters and believe their input is truly crucial to the final decision the men make the women in that show have defined roles but are not discounted from the convo I also see similarities with my own father who shows quite little emotion and whilst it is majority women in our family and our say most definitely counts when my father has a point or makes a decision we don't argue something similar that Muhammad said of his relative yeah. I think and tr- and I truly respect this from my father and his personality trait and it's something I am used to I do find it incredibly cringing <laughs> cringing yeah. I do find it incredi- incredibly cringy when men are too in touch with their emotions and can be too sensitive and I don't know if all females feel like that but maybe because I see my father being the opposite that I have such oppositions when men act like this I also think when men are too much into their appearance it's off-putting as it does resemble the way women are obviously men should be groomed slash clean as instructed in our dean started flipping rapping at this <laughs> so um so yeah um it, uh, did, uh, this was just a point more than a question yeah but uh, what do you have to say for yourself um, I've been watching that show as well but I think it, what's important is 
because it, it offers a counter representation to what the norm is on television. So mm. it's uh, like so. Describe it for us. Oh God, <laughs> wasn't even. <mine. laughs> All right, I didn't even want to talk about this, but um, it's well, it's basically pretty much what she said. But because it's it's traditional like traditional cultures it's weird to mm. see on television you know men making decisions women are you know doing traditional household roles or they do work actually sort of you know but it's all tribal it's tribal culture so everybody's got their roles you know generally the men are the warriors and the defenders of the tribe and then the women are making the um like the rugs and the the stuff that they sell in the markets or they trade mm. to other and that's that's been the way it's been for ages you know and there is a hierarchical structure among the men and there's also actually a hierarchical structure amongst the women um mm. but but you know there are there's a council and the men make the decisions and there's a shura and there's you know there's traditional roles and the women don't necessarily get involved with that but in the private you know in private scenes when it's just like say the leader of the tribe and his wife then you know he might he might sort of express what his concerns are to her but never in a way that shows his weakness more in a way that shows his concern for the well-being of his people you know Um, but then like and then she was you know anyway so it's sort of what we've been talking about the classic roles i think what's interesting Mm. is that it's there for people to see and it's there in a media you know in in the representation in media it's interesting to see traditional islamic values represented in media um you know, in quite a high yeah. quality way, and unlike what you know what we're used mm. to seeing or what we don't see at all. Actually, mm. we don't compare that to you know modern day TV, which obviously I don't watch, but you can sort of get the idea of what's what what the counterculture of that is. Either way, it's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. uh, paradigm. I think well, um, the main point being made here was about seeking counsel and stuff, right? So, right. Uh, so uh what was it yeah i think this is an area that um i think men can do a lot of work on because women are i often hear at least in the uk like women saying uh men don't take our point of view into account Mm. um, and therefore we must be on the you know um we must be leaders basically Mm. in uh the masajid in the islamic schools in islamic centers this and this yeah we've got to be there we've got to force our way in um we should reject these all male panels and this and that because they don't feel represented and they feel there's uh, a bias all right and uh no doubt there will be a bias um when when the it's natural right um because men can only speak from their own perspective so but this is where i feel like men should actually be more proactive like Men should be very in touch with their wives, like what their wives thinking, what what are their wives' friends thinking, what are they yeah. saying, and to get that other perspective. Because, you know, like this goes back to the thing, like leadership and decision making. Uh, when you're doing making decision on behalf of many people, um, it's a big responsibility. Like it's not a joke, mm. and so therefore, anyone who's taking it seriously, they would actually seek. Uh, the perspectives and the opinions of other people mm. not to copy those opinions but to know and to be more informed to make a better decision mm. simple as that so I think you know a lot of work could be done there and you know I agree like like a man is the, the man or the emir or whatever is going to make decision for his family or for his uh, country or whatever mm. but that must be an informed opinion mm-hmm. you know like equally when it comes to fatwa like if the fatwa concerns women the the mufti should know like how women's lives are he should have a decent idea of how they are 
Um, but uh, again, I'm assuming that men don't know this. Um, and you know, definitely some men don't know, but no doubt there will be men who do understand what it's like for women. Um, so yeah, but I think, you know, generally, if women are complaining, um, then it means like, you know, it's an area to improve on, uh, to, to, you know, be more proactive in seeking the ideas of women. I think it's also like, a, it sort of highlights a, a men and women's uh, relationship within family structures. Like, I don't know, a woman could complain to her father or her brother or her husband about issues that mm. women face or issues that that particular, you know, she is facing. And then that male that she's talking to has such a close relationship with her as part of a family that he feels empowered to do something to establish a change for the better for her and women alike, you know? Whilst yeah. I see a lot of women that do vocally complain out in public about issues, I think the reason it falls on deaf ears is because there isn't that sort of link that actually links your struggle with them. It's it's sort of, you know... I mean, I think this is, goes back to why a lot of women traditionally, traditionally, would get married as soon as they could. Because then they would have someone, if they, you know, if their father wasn't able to, then they would have someone that's directly there as a link, as a protector, as a provider, that actually can deal with the issues that a woman would face. I don't know if that's the best way to explain it. But yeah, going, like going, going back to that show, it's, you know, traditionally, that's what would happen. A woman would reach a certain age of maturity where she was ready to get married and that's what would happen. And then, then she'd have someone to talk to with regards to struggles that are happening or with regards to, you know, offering counsel that will change the society yeah. or change things for the mm. better. Yeah. And the Prophet would, you know, have specific time to like teach women or to ask, for women to ask him questions and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so he, obviously... Uh, yeah, it must be done. Uh, it's important, you know. It's half of uh, the ummah in the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, just because men listen to women's opinions, it doesn't mean they're going to follow their opinions. Yeah. It's down to them in the end. But what's important is the input includes, you know, thoughts about uh, women's uh, perspective. Um, and I think that's actually useful. You know, sometimes even in business, I'm thinking you know what, like, I do think a woman's touch would be good here, and I just don't have access to one, so I'm kind of losing out there. Mm. But, um... But, Ak, yeah. Ak, you can't, so that, you can't get a woman's touch because you don't want women to work, bro. What's going on? Uh, they don't have to work. <laughs> just give me their opinion. <laughs> You're not going to pay them for their opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll pay them for opinion, if that's counted as work. That's work, that's Aki. Fine. That's work, see? No, but really, truthfully, like, there are certain roles that require women. I know, like, like, I'd love more female doctors. You need midwives. You need all sorts of stuff. You need all sorts of women you do. in the workplace. Really, truthfully, you do. But it's like, how do you get there without going through the struggles of what you know, the, 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 what's required to reach those places? I know. Every time my mm. wife goes to the doctor, she required. Mm. She asks, always asks for a woman to, yeah. to see her. Oh yeah, this is the issue that they always bring up. But it is. True. But we'll yeah, deal with yeah, it we'll in another episode. We'll deal with it because I, I'll try not to stray away from the topic. But don't worry, we'll have a nice discussion on that. <laughs> um, okay, what about this next point? This brings me to my next point about aggression. Whilst I do think men tend to have this trait more than women, um, we do have to be careful as to how much we accept to permit this trait from Islamic perspective. I mean, you mentioned quite correctly that context matters and it's important we don't go to extremes. However, from my line of work that I do, that I do, that I do see negative side of toxic masculinity slash aggression, 
when men abuse their positions of power for sexual exploits or specifically target women due to their aggressive nature and can lure them lure them or lure them into human trafficking i know my side may be a little extreme but i have seen that it is if it's not challenged it becomes a huge issue and only perpetuates this idea that in order for men to be strong they should have aggressive traits but as you stress context is everything Muslim men need to be able to challenge these aggressions in productive ways. The Prophet ﷺ used his aggression when decrying the burying of young female girls at the time. One of the Khalifas sent an entire army when he heard a woman had been slapped in the market. I know I have deliberately utilized situations involving the protection of women, but aggression in these instances changed the role of Muslim women 1400 years ago. I also mention this because uh, of the sheer amount of abuses women face in my line of work by the hand of both genders, but mainly men. It would be good to see more Muslim men voice these concerns for women's rights. It wouldn't make them weak or feminist-leaning, but actually carrying out the role of protectors, not as mahrams, but as Muslim men. Whilst I do think women find it off-putting when men are too feminine, I think women truly respect when Muslim men voice these issues, as these issues are too prevalent and are harmful to not only women, but the next generation of uh, children and having male role models. These actions have undertones of courageousness and a form of seeking justice. Also, this idea, treat them mean, keep them keen, is so problematic and personally, I think it's such a stupid way to approach any marriage, but you definitely have some women that are okay with that. Again, people have their personal reasons, but I will have to keep this point for another because I have too much to say on it, okay. obviously. Uh, hopefully I read that in a bit of a flowing manner rather than robotic. Uh, what is it? Oh, so it's about yeah, aggression, I suppose. Um, what do you think of me? I agree 100%. I think it's, you know, the the... the Okay, you know, I've been listening to some of this uh, news coming out of some of these companies in America, like uh, the people like uh, high up were uh, exploiting female employees yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember. the. I didn't really know the details, to be honest. But, you know, this is what happens um, when you don't have uh, you don't have this sense of Allah is watching you. You don't have real morals in the sense like if if no one knows, then it's fine kind of thing, you know. Um, and I think equally you know muslim men some of them may maybe they don't have that taqwa where they feel like i need to stand up for justice no matter what even if it's against uh, my own people my own uh, brother my own uh, you know men or whatever so i agree 100% with what she's saying like it is a form of um uh being being uh, men and having ghira over over the women over the muslim women like you got to stand up and correct correct a, a wrong yeah. you know when you see it even if even if you get criticized like in the end like it doesn't matter people call you feminist this and that the but the thing is what you stand up for and the types of rights that you stand up for they must be obviously in line with islam mm. you know not just women's rights that were made up in you know san francisco 10 years ago mm. no not that kind of thing proper uh muslim rights definitely you should stand up uh stand up like no matter what mm. so i agree with her like that is that is a muslim man's role because uh, a woman may not be listened to uh she may because let's be real like women would find it hard to intimidate men mm. but a man can intimidate another man 
and that's why he's got that unique role mm. where he's got the unique ability to intimidate a man as though he should do that when he needs to uh, put it on him and you know apply the apply the whatever the ruling apply the what's right and justice you know kunu qawamina bil qist that's it really isn't it i mean it's it's always going to be who are the men in your life that you are concerned about and are they good muslim men well, at the end of the day we can't we we generally trying to talk from a perspective of a practicing muslim man who wants to be you know the best he can be and that's the way we're sort of framing this discussion we can't speak mm. for men who are just terrible people because yeah, you know, and the same way we can't speak for women that are terrible people, and it's it's just about how does a practicing Muslim individual, you know, position themselves in this society? And yes, we would actively speak against injustice and then actively speak against, mm. you know, domestic abuse and sexual exploitation yeah. and stuff like that. And that should be what the requirement is. And also, it goes back to how important it is to, you know, when it comes to you know marriage and, and spouses and who's you know who you're the, the decisions you're going to make about who you're going to be with then you make the right decision you know and instead of making superficial decisions and decisions based on things that don't really matter in the long run you take counsel mm. from those who care and love you and and um even though sometimes actually taking counsel from those who care and love you isn't the right thing to do because they might not think about other stuff apart from dunya things and money and not really care about the personality it's important to think long term and I'm going off on one but yeah it's true I think this situation where you need one of the biggest backbones because um, I mean I don't know it depends who you speak to but maybe um, a lot of men would resist if you speak up in this way you Mm. know They'd be like, whose team are you on? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, depending, depending on the society, because I know like in Algerian society, for example, you don't have this men versus women thing as much as in the West. You know, yeah. this men versus women thing is extremely strong in the West. Um, but in more traditional societies, it's like pretty clear that we see women not like men, which means they need more protection. We'll overprotect women. Yeah. Uh, but in the West, women have been forced or maybe they chose to be there depending who it is they chose to try and be equal to men Mm. so then men end up being like okay look you want to be equal to us um but you still have the vulnerabilities of of women and so we'll take advantage of you i think that's kind of what's happened it's a weird um, context it's a i remember at uni i was studying um something along these lines i don't want to i don't want to offend anybody i could be wrong but i remember studying regarding uh, hypersexualization of uh, women in Japan and mm. um, why there are certain aspects of Japanese culture that are extremely I don't know hypersexualized in terms of like uh, the cartoons that you know anime that certain people watch uh, the just the way that women are used and I, I don't know if you know what I'm trying to say but I don't know the best PG way of saying it. Either way, there is this notion of uh, submissiveness and um, men dominating women really like aggressively in mm. in certain aspects of Japanese culture. Anyway, so I was studying this at uni and it, and it was something to do with after the war, Second World War, I believe, and you know, the Japan obviously lost the war against America and stuff like that. Uh, men came back from the war extremely downtrodden uh mm. losing all sense of any masculinity they had um mm. so they were basically came back defeated and stuff but 
they then found in themselves to um, assert their dominance and assert their masculinity over women by being extremely aggressive and extremely dominating, which then influence their culture and that's why women are treated in a specific way I'm not saying that I'm not painting in a brush and saying that's the entire culture but I'm you know picking aspects and this is what the study yeah, it became a trend basically. yeah it became a trend and this is what the study suggested and mm. when we, when men and this is what made me think of that when maybe there's this notion of men losing their masculinity then suddenly to claw it back they become hyper aggressive hyper dominant over women and this is where this this occurs you know these kind of challenges occur in terms of yeah. sexual abuse in terms of you know using mm. using their aggressive mm. aggression in the wrong way yeah obviously though whenever we talk about aggression used in the wrong way that's not what we're talking about when it comes to the true muslim masculine mm. way mm. The true Muslim masculine way is the is within the Sharia. It's within the Sunnah. Mm. So anything outside of that, you know, should be corrected. Yes, should be corrected by men or etc. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would agree I mean, with with what she's saying. It's you know, if you think about it from a deep spiritual perspective, like Islamically speaking, um, mm. and we we know in our, in our tradition how Shaitan's you know one of his number one goals is to to break marriages and to break, you know, the relationship yeah. between a man and a woman. And this whole thing that we're talking about could just be one of those tools. It could just be another aspect of how, you know, Shaitan wants to break things down and make things more difficult for people mm, that are trying to... Started, bro. <laughs> I mean, you're so against Shaitan, bro. I love it. You're like, you're, you're the number one, you're like public enemy number one. You just want to... Anyway, inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think yeah. how, how long have we got? Because we've got a few more bullet points. All right, we can finish these bullet points off, inshallah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Can we just take a break? Yeah. And then we'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, shall I stop recording, or should we leave it recording? Uh, let's stop. Would that be? Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Stop. Okay, um, just final point on the protecting women thing and aggression. Yeah. Um, you know, something which is, you know, obviously not working um, in the Western world is that they pushed the whole equality thing so far that men um, are no longer seeing women as uh, people they need to protect. And that might be a reason that men are not standing up for women because right. they're like, oh, if it was a man, he would just defend himself and I wouldn't help him. And equally, so a woman's equal, right? So, halas, she could do, deal with it herself. You know, it's probably part of the reason that might be happening. Because, like I said, this doesn't really happen as much in, uh, in uh, you know, more, more traditional societies. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, the next uh, point was, I do think men need to talk more. Uh, to more men about their issues I agree complaining too much is not great but seeking Allah's help is the best solution however there's always howevers man loads of these howevers um, however we know that statistics for suicide among men is high so we have to question why and we honestly need more resources or studies on this to solve this epidemic it surely cannot be linked to women working now but is it the role of men in society maybe they have not excelled as rapidly as so much emphasis has been on women. Something to ponder over, inshallah. Possibly. I think... Um, um, 
God, if you think about it in terms of what is it? There's men's rights activism now. Um, yeah, definitely. So there's a good film which uh, I should have watched actually before recording this called um, I think it's called Red Pill or something. Uh-huh. It's about a, a feminist who um, who joined uh, men's rights activists or something in America and like, right. went around with them and like heard their side of the story and she made a documentary out of it. Um, oh right, I haven't I haven't watched it yet. Uh, but yeah, bro, definitely it's be- yeah. Part of it is because women started working. Like, it's not hard to understand that. Surely, mm. part of it, not all of it, part of it, because uh, again, like we said last episode, uh, men have lost uh, their kind of unique um, position in society where they feel they can really contribute, and contribution is a big part of feeling significance yeah. in your life. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you go back to what I said, that women will always have that one unique aspect, one new, unique thing that they can do that men can't do, which is, yeah. you know, giving birth to a child and raising that child in a way that, 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 you know, everything else can be competed. Everything else you can sort of compete in. Even if it comes to, like, things that we generally say are quite feminine, like, I don't know, hair and makeup and stuff. There are men that compete in that. There are men that compete yeah. with women in that. But when it comes mm. to that one aspect, you know, if a woman can do that and then everything that a man does on top of it, then where does that leave the man to stand? Yeah, definitely. Even physically, there are women, obviously, like a, a, a woman a Olympian, mm. she would, uh, you know, she would outclass the average man. Of right? course. So even physically, obviously, men are stronger than women, definitely, in general. But there are exceptions. There are always these exceptions. So, um, yeah, so men are, are losing their place, you know. Physical strength has become less important as technology has changed, yeah. um, and that has made uh, men less <laughs> less important with it, perhaps. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, you could argue that you know, as we've progressed te- with technology, we've also had, uh, you know, we have a huge need for leadership, um, and that's where men could come in. But uh, I guess we haven't got to that stage yet, where you know we've got. People with great leadership skills in uh, in the correct roles, maybe. Um, so yeah, uh, we have to question why is the suicide rate high because of stuff we've mentioned. Mm. Um, any other reasons you can think of? Um, it's difficult, really, because uh, we're we're talking from a practicing Muslim perspective. We don't know about the suicide rates within practicing Muslims. If that was, if that we you know we had data regarding that, then. You know, the discussion might be different but generally speaking the people that i sent anyway at least from my perspective that we've encountered suicidal males aren't muslim and they're not you know they're facing completely different societal uh pressures than maybe mm. me or you are facing mm. with the mindset that we have or with the you know the way of life that we have the deen that we choose to follow you know? yeah yeah i think another reason uh, apart from you know the changing uh, economic status of men and stuff another thing would be you know relationships right so mm. um the, re- the relationships you know between everyone has changed you know especially in the west where as uh, the family has become smaller and smaller you know you're less in touch with your distant relatives and stuff like that mm. you know i think that definitely has a huge role um in everyone's you know mental and emotional health definitely um and so that's another reason here you know we talk about men um, speaking to other men or yeah. speaking about their issues, um, you know the the bonds between men are different now. You know, probably weaker and stuff. Mm. I mean, you so, know what? I didn't think about. I haven't even spoken about this, but the 
I haven't spoken about why the suicidal males that I've spoken to went down that road. You know, I've speaking okay. <laughs> like when you speak to them, what they say, what their problems are, and the vast majority actually thinking about it tends to be regarding relationships between them and their mm. spouse or them and their partner. And it might not just be a breakdown in that, but it might be other issues that have affected that things that have outside things that have separated them or things that have gotten in the way. And then yeah. you'll combine that on top of that. That seems to be the primary thing. I'm not saying that's mm. for everyone, but just from my perspective, what I've dealt with. And then on top of that is things about job, job loss and money problems and, but it always seems to come back. Like the highest, um, when it gets really bad, at least in this this city, is nearer to Christmas. Reason being, uh, well, at least you know the people I've spoken to have said, reason being is that um, it's when there are such high demands on on working men or anyone working to provide presents, for example, for the family, and people go into extremes in terms of doing that and then also it's also a time when um, families get together so families get together so a lot of you know people that may you might not seen in ages things like start getting heated up and there's all sorts of pressures upon the the male to provide and to you know put put this big display on the table kind of thing and they they can't basically perform Um, Mm. but no the key thing I wanted to say was yeah about relationships and how maybe it is because men have become too high too emotional and too i don't know too clingy maybe uh that soft, when, yeah soft. so when relationships break down and we're not listen we're not trying to gener- over generalize this thing about mental health we're not but this is basically what the people that have the suicidal males i've spoken to have said to me right and mm. it's it's generally about somebody leaving them um uh, some sort of barrier like there's some of them are like immigrants for example from different countries so I once had to deal with a, a male from Turkey um, okay. he'd lost his job um, and he tried to commit suicide uh, quite violently actually and you could see the scars on him and he threatened to do that again while I was dealing with him one of the main reasons was because he lost his job he then couldn't provide the money necessary for his wife from abroad to come and live mm. with him, right? So the main the main thing wasn't really his job; it was the fact that he could he was away from his wife, and mm. a lot of it c- comes down to that. When you know, I don't know. I mean, men are different, aren't they? There are different types of men. Even I think in the time of the Prophet Wasallam, there were men that were very, Stop very, shutting. yeah, there were men that were very attached to their spouses, and you know, they professed their love quite publicly and quite openly. Um, so I think you know going back actually to what the other brother said in his email there are different types of men with different traits you know and I think that that will always exist definitely so there'll be softer men and stronger men and all that kind of stuff but you know as far as overarching situations and overarching reasons it's going to have to be the stuff that we've spoken about already I've just thought of two things while you were speaking uh, you triggered them in my mind first thing is that you know maybe a woman wouldn't understand it right but a man's ability to provide is directly linked to his identity as a good person. Yeah. And that maybe women don't get that. If you're a if you're a woman and you're a mother, imagine feeling like you're a failure of a mother. That yeah. would that might be the type of thing to lead you to suicide, right? So yeah. you have to understand that that's how a man sees himself. That's his identity that I'm a provider. So therefore, if I don't provide, I'm a bad human, like I'm yeah. terrible. 
So this is this is imagine that we got whatever happens and women uh, lose something which is key in them being good mothers. Yeah. Would that not cause a huge problem, a huge depression, whatever suicide with, within women? It yeah. would do the same. So that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that you link to your identity. It's not about money. It's not about being starving, poverty, none of that. It's about your pride and your identity as a human is gone out the window. Yeah. And, you know, you could you could argue that, I'm not sure, but you could argue that it's it's easier to just be a mother, like just have kids, like you can have kids. Maybe you struggle to raise your kids. Yeah, definitely there's pain in, involved in that and you might fail in that. But it's maybe easier to do that than to have a good job and to keep up with all the skills you need and to get a good paying job. So, yeah, it's, it's about purpose. I'm sure, traditionally speaking, like in the past, if a woman was infertile, it would be devastating for her and that would feel like what it feels like today for a man to lose his job. You know, yeah, in the same like way that, that yeah. her entire purpose was like women traditionally were, you know, uh, they'd, they'd, they'd try and get married when they were ready to and then straight away it'd be talk about children and raising children but if a woman can't have kids she's infertile then suddenly yeah. she's she she feels she fears she won't get married because no one's going to want someone who can't have kids and she can't have kids mm. which is one of her main roles that she believes that she's she needs to have yeah. and that is that is you know quite quite you know effectively her end of her purpose she can't perform her purpose in life you yeah know? Yeah, it makes 100% sense. Another reason I thought of, bro, is, um, you know, uh, in many countries, I'm not even going to say just the West, in many countries, people are having less kids. And, yeah. you know, that could also be a, a reason. Like, men, um, I think, you know, they might find extreme pride and satisfaction and happiness in having lots of children, mm. not just a few children. That could be a reason. Also all the chemicals we're finding in food and the stuff that we're eating our food out of and the water and this and that, uh, are messing with our hormones, no doubt, messing with our body and our health, no doubt. That could also be a factor, you know. Yeah, so maybe. this stuff goes so deep, um, but these are just some maybe potential other reasons. <laughs> We've got one more point. Uh, yes, we do. This one's for you, Amin. Okay, you read it to me. Amin. <laughs> You made a comment regarding how Muslim women used the line Khadija radiallahu anha was a businesswoman, dot dot dot, and said that, and said that. But does that mean women wear suits around with heels to corporate meetings? I hope you don't mind be. I hope you don't mind me asserting. Me asserting, but I found this comment slightly problematic. Yeah, I mean, come on, man, what's wrong with you? Anyway, <laughs> did I said this? Whilst I may uh, have. Whilst I have may not be a businesswoman or wear heels, I do attend meetings, but I don't feel that diminishes the idea that Muslim women can't literally have a seat at the table and be involved in discussions to improve the ways in the world. For the women, let's say non-Muslim women, uh, who do wear blazers and heels, does that mean her role is less respected because she's not dressed as in a certain way? I really don't want to make this personal as subjectiveness is important, but my conclusion is that context is important. I really believe that as a Muslim woman, I can attend meetings, for example, wearing modest clothes, hijab, and fully articulate my input whilst res receiving respect. If a man has an issue with that, I think that is an issue they have to deal with. However, the following point is that when the Prophet sent and received the revelation that he is to be the last messenger, Khadija did 
did leave her career behind to serve her husband and the dean and I think this was beautiful route she took because she trusted her husband because he was of quality and character as you both pointed out in the podcast I battle with the idea that women can have it all my female family members and friends have approached having careers and families differently but it comes down to how the husband and wife agree and what is best for the kids but I do think it is best for mothers to have as much time with children during the first part of their life if financial constraints are not too bearing um with regards to that point, I, I want to jump in quick. I think what you were saying wasn't about... Um, I think she's talking about it from the reverse angle. I think you were saying women who do wear the wrong stuff and then then do behave in the wrong way, then use Khadija to justify the way they're behaving, not the other way around. Um, so I think it, it's about people using role models that we do have to justify things that aren't necessarily correct or but that's just my perspective i don't know this was directed at you so what have you got to say for yourself it's kind of what you're saying um i said that point uh meaning it wasn't about meetings at all actually it was just about um transplanting um from one time using a certain word uh and copy pasting into a new time trying to use the same word without filtering for context, right? right. So, um, so for example, you use the word... <clears throat> I mean, you could use an analogy, right? So, for example, we say terrorist, yeah? Mm. The word terrorist has associations to it. Yeah. Just how the word businesswoman has associations to it. Now, when you move those... When you apply those words to people or, you know, different people... You assume something in your head because you've got a deep association to it. Right. So whatever you, listener, whatever you associate with business woman, it's highly unlikely that that's what Khadija was doing. That's what I meant. Oh, right. There's no copy pasting of the vocabulary that has so much associated with it. Mm. Right. Um, So that's what I meant. As for going to meetings and all that, I mean... I don't know, man. Like, it's not an Islamic lesson about um, how you should conduct yourself. Obviously, you can go elsewhere to hear, you know, more qualified people talk about that. Um, but obviously, Ali, uh, I would, uh, I would avoid, you know, sitting at a table with women or having to look women directly in the eye, like face to face. You know, often, I would avoid that if I could. Um, and uh, yeah, and obviously, you know, what do you think of with the, when you think of businesswoman? Uh, you know, if you're in the UK, for example, you think of a woman, she's going to go to work. She's spending eight to ten hours at work, you know, commuting and this and that. Um, she's she's not at home. She's, um, you know, she, she might be told by her boss how to dress, right? Or there's a severe pressure on how she should dress. Um, and she's got to be assertive in the workplace because otherwise you won't survive. You won't even get the job, perhaps. She's got to do this and this and this. And I'm saying Khadija anha wasn't like that. Uh, that's what I'm saying, basically. Um, I don't think yeah. we have enough, like, I don't think I know enough about, like, that kind of role and how it was in the past to even speak about mm. it today, you know. Um, but then, but then that's the problem. Like, I don't think a lot of women do have that knowledge and then just pull it out of the bag when it suits them kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, you can't copy paste. You know, you can't say, I don't know, Prophet Sallam was a, uh, I don't know, even if you say Prophet Sallam was a teacher, 
like people have associations with the word teacher so mm. if you want to get the correct message across sometimes you have to go deeper than just using one word mm. you have to this is why I'm, again I like podcasts because you listen to hour or two hours of something it allows the person to explain fully so if you want to understand how Khadija was really you should read a lot you should listen a lot learn properly from you know trustworthy sources learn how she was open-mindedly not in a way where you're trying to justify uh, whatever you want to do whatever right yeah, so that's yeah. what I meant anyway that's not what I meant obviously Annie you know there are definitely situations where women are going to be at meetings and this and that and you know that's cool but I, I disagree with your point Khadija left her career again career has so much associated with it career I don't even know if that existed in time of Prophet Ali thought said I'm like uh, Korea has so much associated with it, right? So, um, again, you have to be very careful with the terminology we use. Just how some people say, I heard someone say the Prophet ﷺ was depressed at one point. Mm. Like, be careful with these words, man, because you've got to have clear definitions for what well, you mean. Yeah, there's certain ones mm. like, you know, such and such was, was a romantic and so-and-so was... The, do you know what I mean? Like, I've heard stuff like that where... Yeah. We, we, yeah. It gives connotations of, like, what we consider, like, romances today. And yeah. then applying that to what we believe, like, the Sahaba were or the Prophets were. You know, it's it's yeah. it's, a, it's, it's quite... It's, it's the same as... You know, someone said to me, it's really actually hilarious. They... Basically, this girl said to me, you're... She said something like, you're traditional... But you're not a misogynist. And I just thought that was hilarious. I thought that's hilarious because it's just all these terms and, oh, if he's traditional, or oh, automatically he must be a misogynist. And this. That's why, you know, like vocabulary, often it's a shortcut for saying something. Yeah. And, you know, when these words have loads of associations, it's better to unpack it and to explain deeply what you mean. Yeah. So, so yeah. God, this has been um, this has been one heck of a show. <laughs> yeah, then she ends this email saying there were some other points, yeah. <laughs> but I'll end up sending your dissertation if I carry on. <laughs> but anyway, it filled up the whole the whole um, episode. Alhamdulillah. Mm. Um, you know, no doubt I probably would have said some stuff that I don't really mean. So, you know, just trying to. Uh, I don't know. Ask, ask instead of assuming, I guess. And uh, yeah, would you like to add anything? Um, I like these kind of emails. I think if we've got more of them, then we'd have more to talk about. Uh, especially yeah. point by point, it saves us doing the structure for ourselves, which we never do. We sort of just <laughs> click record and let it flow. But it's it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, I think. The thing is, we could go on about it. There's so many aspects of this, and we probably will revisit in the future, uh, especially if there's more input from you know other, I don't know, mm. world events or changes in society or things that are interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah. I'm all masculinityed out right now. My brain is bubbled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and obviously this topic it overlaps with stuff like uh, gender roles. Um, feminism and stuff like that yeah. um, I, I kind of wanted to treat that in its own topic trying to stick to masculinity obviously inshallah I'll be able to explain fully in those episodes so in the meantime you can send emails through to us about those topics maybe we could deal with them in, uh, in those episodes when we do them inshallah inshallah um, yeah I'm trying to think what else that's about it really yeah the, the email address is 
is God. I mean, what is the email address? <laughs> Mindheistpodcast at gmail dot com. Yes. Uh, send and you know, I think the 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 summary of what we're trying to say about masculinity is, you know, um, you know, have a backbone, be principled, and do everything you do. You know, do it within the sunnah and know the sunnah and act within the sunnah, and then you won't have people. I don't think you'll have anyone complaining about uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah, I mean, here's like the, what I'd like to close up on is the people that complain about your masculinity the most are going to be women, right? But if you find a woman that you know, at the end of the day, when you're married, right? You get married, mm. you've got a woman in your life that loves you for who you are, and that's the way you are. Then the opinion of other women shouldn't even bother you really and truthfully so mm. it's only when men are si- like single men are the ones who argue with single women I've, that's what I've noticed <laughs> it is it is uh, when it comes to this issue of masculinity and feminism and stuff like that because mm. at the end of the day you know when you find your partner and that partner likes your masculine self or that that man likes the feminist in you do you understand what I mean then that's all that matters and you found the person who speaks your language and really who cares what other people think because your family is working out just the way it is and just fine and dandy kind of thing yeah I think that's what I concluded when I was on Twitter I was arguing with with people you know about this topic or whatever and I just thought you know what if you want to set your life up and your family up uh, based on these you know feminist principles whatever that you want then, yeah, Yanni, I'm not going to control you. Like, do what you want. Yeah. As long as I equally set stuff up the way I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Then you know, uh, find someone. Yanni, find someone. Find someone who who fits you and fits you, that sort of lifestyle mm. decision that you've made. Mm. And if you don't, mm. then you don't. And that's and if you have a problem with that, then you know that's your mm. something you've got to change within mm. yourself. Yeah, and and I think another big uh, theme is like. Uh, live with purpose you know yeah. know your purpose know it to a level where you know if x doesn't happen y doesn't happen you're still grounded because you you've still got the purpose in you know and it's clear to you what your purpose is and then you know if you uh, are not uh, if your your masculinity is not pleasing to a woman and she says no because you were straight to the point and you explained how you you know what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with mm. then so be it and that's good because it wouldn't have worked out and stuff so, really yeah, don't try and control people, you know. Yeah, I mean, stop trying to control your audience. Why do you <laughs> always get the hate mail? Everyone seems to like what I say. <laughs> uh, do I? What hate mail? Man? I'm only joking, Achi. I'm only joking. Don't worry about it. You know what, I, bro? I, I'm actually really, I'm really um, impressed by the emails we get. Like, they're very balanced. Even if they disagree, they're just they're they're rational about it. They're not shouting. They're not insulting. So. I just want to say thank you, everyone, for being pretty uh, rational about everything. That's because irrational people don't have the patience to listen to two hours of two random guys talking, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, that's why, that's why I did the podcast, you know? Yeah. To filter out filter out people that aren't, uh, aren't serious. <laughs> Inshallah, I think uh, next episode we'll do something a bit lighter. Um, Inshallah. I don't know what it will be. If you have suggestions, let us know. We'll decide yeah, soon. Mind, mind heist podcast at gmail.com. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. Assalamu alaikum, kids. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum.